Another great episode of Mystery of Parenthood coming up. If you like what you hear, go to redsearadio.org, click on the donate button, and become a monthly sustaining member. Please support us. Thank you, and God bless. Happy New Year. Uh, still Christmas season. You're listening to Mystery of Parenthood. Uh, I'm Trey Cashin, and that's Thaddeus Romanski over there. And uh, Howdy, y'all. Y'all, hopefully y'all are doing well. Uh, let's slow down and, and get focused and, um, and ask that we continue to, uh, to see Christ in all that we are living through now. And so let's begin with our prayer. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Amen. Lord God, from you, every family in heaven and on earth takes its name. Father, you are love and life. Through your Son, Jesus Christ, born of woman, and through the Holy Spirit, the fountain of divine charity, grant that every family on earth may become, for each successive generation, a true shrine of life and love. Grant that your grace may guide the thoughts and actions of husbands and wives for the good of their families and of all the families in the world. Grant that the young may find in the family solid support for their human dignity and for their growth in truth and love. Grant that love, strengthened by the grace of the sacrament of marriage, may prove mightier than all the weaknesses and trials through which our families sometimes pass. Through the intercession of the Holy Family of Nazareth, grant that the Church may fruitfully carry out her worldwide mission in the family and through the family. We ask this of you, who is life, truth, and love, with the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. John Paul II, St. John Paul II, please pray for us. Pray for us. And um, Holy Family Nazareth, please, please pray, pray for, for us. us. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Yeah, so I guess we did We did, We did. did a repeat the last time. This is our first time back after the, the new year. I, I, I like to point out, though, you know, that... Um, I mean, Catholics are partiers, man. You know, I mean, we Christmas. It's, yeah. it's still Christmas season, really, yeah, until, the bapti- until the ba- until the baptism of our Lord, which we celebrate this this Sunday. Um, mm-hmm. We're still in that in that Christmas um, time, and even though the 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 feast of the Epiphany or the the Epiphany has passed. I think it's a good time to kind of re- not just reflect, but maybe even challenge ourselves as we go into the new year. To as we've talked about before, kind of have a Catholic way of looking at things, um, and to challenge ourselves to open our eyes to see Christ um, in the very ordinary ways that He presents Himself to us. I think we've talked about this before, but I think that the Epiphany, and even even as you get to the baptism, um, they all point to the fact that people are, you know. <laughs> They were missing him when he was actually walking here, yeah. on this on this planet. I mean, I, I'm always amazed if you just think about the fact that this Messiah, who everyone was looking for, um, was born in a manger in Bethlehem, and the all the people the people that notice him are or who come to do him homage 
um, to pay tribute to him are people who've come all the way from the east. They've traveled. They 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 were were looking ahead and traveling and making every effort. I can't imagine. I mean, in my mind, I'm picturing there's Jesus, the Messiah. Basically, there's Mary and Joseph, and it's a busy time. People are passing by. It's so busy that the, the, all the inns are full. There are people walking by him, not even noticing that he's there, much right. less much less even honoring him. And so I think it appoints again to us that we have to open our eyes to see him. And I, I was, this isn't actually the reading for today, but, um, but if you go a little bit further on uh, the, from first John, I think it's, it kind of points us in the direction of that. I think we need to head on this as parents, both in terms of, uh, in terms of teaching this, but if you go to first John four, um, towards the end of that, say, say, um, uh, 19 and following. So this is 1 John 4, 19 and following. It says, we love because he first loved us. If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And this is the, the, the commandment we have from him, that he who loves God should love his brother also. And I think that points us in the direction of which we've always talked about here. What is a mystery other than there's something invisible going on that is made manifest or made present to us in, in a, in a visible way. It's where we get the idea of a sacrament, a visible sign of an invisible reality. But I think if you look at this verse from, from John, if you look at the epiphany, if you look at, um, if you look at even um, the baptism with, with you know, John the Baptist recognizes Jesus for who he is. But how many others were there that, that didn't recognize him? Um, it, over and over, you see it in, in his life. And I think the trick to being a, a Christian is to pray that our eyes are open to see him in the ordinary ways. I mean, Mother Teresa, St. Mother Teresa of Calcutta, you know, was often talked about seeing Jesus in his distressing disguises. Um, mm-hmm. And I think what she's getting at is, again, he doesn't always show, show himself to us in the way that we expect in fact, often he doesn't show us. However, he doesn't leave us without any, you know, without any way of recognizing him. God bless you. Any way of recognizing him um, or any expectation. Obviously, you know, the star was there. You had, you had these um, you know, wise men, magi, um, kings or at least representatives of royalty who – in looking at the stars and searching through things, had some awareness of something is happening here, and there is somebody worthy of us traveling to pay tribute to. Um, Correct. And Correct. Didn't you know? And they knew it, in spite of the fact that you would you would think 
how is this, you know, air quotes, king <laughs> unable to find a regular place to be born? They, they, they even, in the face of which looks like the poorest of the poor, yeah, yeah, they, yeah. they still go and say, this is the one that we come to pay tribute to, to give our gold or frankincense and our myrrh. Jesus was the same way. I mean, people did not recognize him because he was the quote-unquote carpenter's son. Um, they didn't recognize him when he went back home because of that, that very thing. And so I think that this is a good time, and, and since it's the beginning of the year, to recognize that God manifests himself to us frequently, not without forewarning. I mean, he, he says this is, you know, I can be found here, but in ways that we don't suspect or in ways that we are able to talk ourselves out of it because it doesn't look the way we're supposed to look. It, it's supposed to look or the way we think it should look. Yeah, and I think the probably the uh, concomitant piece to this is then how do we fail to see Christ in our midst in our families? Absolutely. When do we not see the the Christ child, you might say, living through, shining through our children? And uh, how can we um, recalibrate our eyes to to see him in our in our children? Because I think it's you know there is that phrase, and it's sad to say. Uh, familiarity breeds contempt. Sometimes that can happen inside of a family. It can happen no. between parent and child. It can happen between, you know, siblings. Absolutely. And I think that that's, I mean, if you if you get it back to, you're exactly right. But it shouldn't surprise us. Again, we're called to be a domestic church. I think that what happens frequently with Catholics as they are part of the larger church, the, the family of God, is that same thing. Familiarity breeds contempt. There are too many, if they don't recognize what's going on, who get tired of the liturgy, you know, that they, they get bored with the liturgy. You know, I'm not getting anything out of it is something you might hear. It's the same thing over and over. I think that that actually points us to the reality that God, who created us, knows that most of life is repetitive. <laughs> most of life is ordinary. Yeah. And and that if we don't open our eyes, don't pray for the, for the grace to to have our eyes opened to recognize what's truly going on, we can have contempt for those things that we're most familiar with. Which when you think about it, breeds contempt of really the majority of our lives because and therefore we're always in search of something more <coughs> we're always in search of these these more extravagant these out of ordinary moments and i think that what god has revealed about himself and what saint john is saying here is that it's the ordinary stuff that is used by God to manifest himself to this world. It's the, it's, you can't say you love God and yet 
have contempt or hate for your brother. Mm-hmm. You, 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 those are inconsistent with one another. And, and that goes back to when Jesus is talking, you know, what, what is it? Well, love God with all your mind, heart, every, you know, with your entire self and love your neighbor as yourself. Those are all linked, connected together. And so I think we do miss, and part of it is this. Look, having we can look to the church and then we can look to our to our lives and recognize that there is there there's stark similarities between them. Um typically, if you're like most of us, if we go to church, it's the we you typically go to the same parish, usually about the same time seeing the same people with the same prayers being prayed over and over again, and it's repetitive. We go to our homes, and as I've said for years, I mean, I pretty much have known about what time I need to get up every day for for the I mean, with with rare exceptions. I know about what I'm going to be doing most every day, maybe not specifically, but in general. Mm-hmm. And then I know that if everything goes as well, and most of the time, most of the time it's going to go this way, I'm going to I'm going to leave about the same time, and at night I'm going to have the same stuff to do. I mean, there's going to be food to eat, there's going to be babies to clean or houses to clean, there's going to be whatever it is. There's this ordinariness, and I think that the lie is when we say we're meant, we're special. When we say that we're meant for something more. I think we tend to look beyond and dis and, and tend to dismiss what's right in front of us. Just like most of Bethlehem did a couple thousand years ago. They just walk right on by. They dismiss it. They're caught up in, in so many other things. And they fail to see God present in their life primarily because he's making himself present to them in a way that they would not expect. Not only not in a way that they would not expect, but actually in a way that they would probably say, well, that's not really God. Yet it is. Yeah, here's an interesting exercise I did last night in preparation for today. I looked back at the uh, mysteries of the rosary, mm-hmm. and I thought, okay, if you were just watching the unfolding of those events that are the mysteries of the rosary and had there's you have no context for what's going on you don't hear any of the dialogue that's associated with them which ones would have shaken an observer out of their complacency or they would have thought something extraordinary was taking place so here's what I came up with yeah okay so the joyful mysteries there's not any of them Right. That somebody out standing, out standing kind of from a distance would say, oh, that's, whoa, that is profound or that's strange. That's all just ordinary stuff yep. if you're just looking at it. Because an, presumably an observer would not see the angel Gabriel right, speaking right. To, yeah. to Mary. The luminous mysteries, the baptism, maybe if the dove is perched unusually on. Or if you're able to hear or, yeah. the words. Or presuming you can't. In my, in yeah, we're, my, uh, yeah, we can't because if, I don't think if you have the eyes or ears to recognize in the ordinary. Right. Many people, I think you say that felt like they thought they heard thunder. You know, yeah. they, you know, <laughs> I, I've, I've heard that said that they didn't actually hear. They heard something, but they didn't hear what was said. Right. Anyway. 
obviously the transfiguration for those that's going to blow you away. Yeah. Um, the wedding at Cana, maybe if you somehow knew that there was wine in those jugs and then like the, the steward, you know, he, right, yeah, he, he clearly commented. commented on something unusual. So we've got, we've got three events, right. one for sure so far out of 10, the sorrowful, none, none of those are in any way no. remarkable. Awful for the most part. Right, awful, <laughs> terrible. And then the glorious mysteries, every single one of those yeah. is profound. That's four out of five, and I didn't include the crowning of Mary because that's taking place in heaven, obviously. Um, and I thought that was that was useful for me because that, that showed me that, you know, wow. So much of Jesus's life, if you just look back at it through the mysteries was really was not absolutely profound in any way. It was done through these ordinary means. Salvation was achieved through these common circumstances. Yep. And then that got me to thinking that what our Lord did during his ministry that regularly shocked people, confounded observers, was the way that he loved second-class people. Yep. So he did, you know, and, and the way that he um, radically or, you know, greatly reinterpreted, changed the understanding of the the purpose of the Mosaic Law, the, the reasons, the right. meaning of the covenant— so the Samaritan woman that he speaks to, uh, the woman caught in adultery, eating with tax collectors, um, you know, going to Zacchaeus's house, for for example. And people couldn't see the God-man in those moments. They couldn't see the Messiah right. acting. The stress was on that he was contravening these Mosaic laws. Um, and that was... That was a good exercise for me. It was a profound no, I think, exercise I think it, for me. I think it is. And I think what's important is to recognize, you know, that if you if you think about it, well, first off, the church has always said that Christ, everything about from, from conception through where we are today, where we find ourselves today, and and particularly the thirty three years that he was on on this planet, plus the time at, resurrection and following yeah most of his life was hidden from view most most of his life was hidden in terms from of view you know and, numbers of time. and the church has always said that there was not a there was not a millisecond of his existing in his humanity that was not meant to reveal something to us about who god is and who man is and that when you think of that there's not a there's at least about 18 years, 17 years, that is not remarkable. Well, at least not remarkable enough to put in the Scripture. Yeah. And even though we don't see it, we get a sense that it must not have been that remarkable because when he returns after he started his ministry to his hometown, they don't – they're like – I know this guy. I mean, he's just, he's the carpenter's son. Right. 
so so you're you're led to believe by their response that there wasn't anything that was really pointing to hey this guy's the next this guy's the messiah he's the savior he he lived an ordinary life and if you think about it really <laughs> um anything that had you know glory in the human sense like where the miracles the walking on water the raising of the dead all those type of things any of those things happened in the last 3 years of his life other than say what happens here at the beginning when you have angels showing up to shepherds and when you have um when you have magi coming and delivering gold frankincense and myrrh and prostrating themselves before this child in a in a cave, effectively, in a barn, in mm-hmm. a shelter, whatever, not a normal place. Other than that, the rest of their life, it's kind of skips from there to them having to leave to them coming back. And there's just very few events. Think about it. One-tenth of his life was what we would say, oh, wow, that no, now he's revealing himself as God. That's extraordinary. The rest of it, about 30 of his 33 years, is ordinary to awful. I mean, from a human perspective, mm-hmm. whatever way you want to look at it, having to run from 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 Herod and all those type of things to coming back and then just going to work in, you know, a small podunk hick town <laughs> and doing that. That is something that I think that God is saying when you take that the church says that there's not a moment of his existence when he assumed humanity that was not meant to communicate something to us about God and about ourselves because he shared 100% in our humanity. That's something to contemplate, and it doesn't. it's not surprising that the mysteries of the rosaries, which are... Which are pointing to major events in his life that most of them in a vacuum separate from additional understanding does not look special so let so what makes those things special is our understanding the revelation that God has so that we can look at those and recognize in those seemingly ordinary events God, what, what does that take? And that's, I think this points us to one of the first things we have to do raising our kids is we have to point out and teach that the ordinary contains the extraordinary, that the ordinary is something that we need to embrace in the moment as the opportunity that God gives us to be like him who on this planet for the majority of his life did ordinary things with great love but from the if you just look at them themselves objectively with no no context no teaching nothing it looks ordinary to bad boring at best maybe mundane and awful <laughs> at worst the point is is that you have we have to teach our children 
that when they're helping their younger brother uh, learn how to ride a bike or helping them with a with with math or whatever, that they are really helping Christ in that moment. That when they help a kid who's fallen up off of a swing, you know, at and on the playground, and skin their knee when they help the kid up and and bring him to a teacher to say, hey, you know, Johnny fell and he hurt his knee. I, I, I'm bringing him to so you can help him. That they're bringing Jesus there. That that has to be taught. It's not something that is intuitive, I guess, right? I mean, that's what John is saying here. Yeah. That's what Jesus is saying. That's what the gospel points to is we miss him frequently. And the reason we miss him is we don't remind ourselves and, and certainly as parents, if we're not teaching our children, there's Jesus in that poor person. There's Jesus in your brother. There's Jesus in your mom who's not feeling well today, and you're helping with the dishes or helping make a, make a meal. There is Jesus. Yeah. <clears throat> and I think this relates to something we were talking about before Christmas. <clears throat> brings us back to athletics right where you're we talked about how you know you're not just playing football you're playing football and you're you're learning how to um sell out you're right. you're 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 training you're you're habituating yourself to basically the virtues of for better or for worse, for richer or for poorer, for in sickness and in health, um, I'm gonna stick it out. I'm gonna I'm gonna be committed to my teammates, I'm gonna play my position, you know? Right. That that's that that's really what you're doing. You're not just playing football. And so it's up to us to invest our lives and those of our children with meaning so that when you're sick, you know, you're not just sick. Take this, how you feel, and offer it up. Right. Put it at the foot of the cross. Give it to God for the salvation of souls, for the salvation of the souls in purgatory. And, you, and so you need it. You really need to, you need to, just like a and coach. That has coach. to be done intentionally. Absolutely, and you have, and, and you, and what you're doing is training them again for how how do you receive something? We're all going to be sick, so you have to actually walk them through. Hey, God, God has given you this opportunity. You know, look at Christ on the cross. That didn't feel good. He asks that it not be that it, that it be taken away from him, but he accepts it as God's will. We can teach our children. Hey, we've done everything we can, and you feel bad, or you're going through this tough time, or you're sick. So God's allowing it. In his love, he's allowing it. So if you'll take that, here's what you do. You say, Lord Jesus, I give you every cough, every pain, every you know, needle that I have to, you know, you know, if it's medicine, every awful medicine I have to swallow. I give you all that, and I unite it with what you did on the cross. And I offer it 
together with you to the Father and ask that he would do it for, and you can, whatever he wants, for the salvation of souls, for, for whomever. And let them understand that in the in the that can be done for that actually should be done for everything, but you can teach them in the in the in the tough moments. But it should be, you know, I'm going to school and I'm doing my homework. I offer my homework. I mean, teach them the language that is the language of what it means to be a priest, a prophet, and a king to 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 serve. I'm I'm taking my life, the ordinary, good, bad, and ugly. And I'm I'm uniting it with what Jesus did on the cross. And I'm giving it together with his to God the Father and saying, use it. <laughs> you know, if you don't know have somebody, you know, for for the repose of the soul of my grandfather or my oh for for the health and well being of my sister who's sick or whatever. But w- that mentality is I think we we're first off we're you know we want we're in a really difficult time where it's hard you know everything is about escape you know you can pick up your phone and watch any movie you want or or whatever and I think I think that it's very hard for us to accept the ordinary even more now the the just being still being quiet not feeling well because we can always kind of plug something in to take our minds off of right. it or whatever. Right. Right. And we need to teach them how to just say those words and over time to have it mean something, you know, and, and that they, that there's not a moment in their life that doesn't have the potential when united with what Jesus did on the cross, that doesn't have the potential to have an impact on somebody else's life or on somebody else's salvation or even on your own. That's when, because then every moment counts. We're not trying to get through the next moment. We're trying to live the moment now in a way that does that. We have to teach that. That is not intuitive. That is not something that this world teaches. It's not something that makes sense in, in, you know, in the ordinary sense of, making sense it is not just a mental exercise either it is an understanding that somehow we're united with Jesus in our own, our very lives and in every moment there is not a moment that goes by that we cannot when we're united with him make it valuable yeah and it goes back to uh, what we proclaim in the creed too that, right. that we believe in a God who's the maker of all things, visible and invisible. We believe that there is a visible reality and behind that, but linked to it, intimately a part of it, is an invisible supernatural reality. Right, right. and so and so I think so. If, if you can teach them in those ordinary things to bring it, but then if you go to Mass, you, you have in the sacraments— and I think particularly as the source and summit in the Eucharist, I think you have a teaching opportunity because there's so much about Mass that points us to that. Christ could have picked, Jesus could have picked any number of things to represent his body. And he chose very ordinary 
bread, stuff that, that, is, that is anybody can put their hands on. And so we can, we, if we teach our children, look, in what looks like an ordinary piece of bread, or maybe not even an ordinary, you know, less than adequate piece of bread, is God himself. And it's happening inside of this liturgy that seems to be repetitive and ordinary. And if you're not paying attention, it can become boring because it seems to be mundane and repetitive. And if I'm not connecting with to connecting what I'm receiving in my senses, you know, the words, the smells, the ups, the downs, you know, the kneeling, the standing. If I'm not, if I'm just going through the motions of doing that and not recognizing why am I standing here? Well, Jesus's words are being complained. Why? I mean, proclaimed. Why, why am I kneeling here? Well, because Jesus is now present in, 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 in what looks like a piece of bread. If I'm not, if I'm not making those connections, then it's just, well, guess what? That's what life can become. If, you, if you're just going through, well, I get up at this time and I go and make my cup of coffee and I go, I mean, if you're not making connections that this is exactly what I'm meant to be doing in this moment because of where I am. You know, I, I may have mentioned this before, but it's something that kind of struck me. When my, when my, because I've always challenged my kids, you know, live out your dreams, you know, go, go after it. Don't, don't, don't sell yourself short. And, and I remember my, Kids like looking at me and go, so uh, are you living your dream? And 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 I really kind of half tried. You know, I hadn't really thought about it. And then and then I then I remember just smiling and going, you know, I am. It's not the dream that I had, but now I recognize it is exactly what I'm meant to be doing. So the, me picking you up and bringing you home, and while we're having this conversation, could be very ordinary. But now because of the conversation we're having, it's extraordinary. But guess what? Somebody driving by in the car just sees a dad and a son talking. There's, it, it, it looks right. ordinary. Just like what we talked about with the mysteries. It does. So it looks ordinary, but, but it's no longer ordinary. Right. right. We have to not, I mean, we have to teach our kids that because the right. world is constantly saying, you need more. You should never be bored. You should always be having something fun. That's why do you think many marriages end in divorce is because it, it's the same thing over and over again. They're not recognizing marriage for what it is. Right. We're going to invest some time in talking about marriage and communication, those things through this next year. But the, but the reason is marriage and family life is no different than many other things if we don't make the connection and we just go through the motions because that's what we're going to wake up one day and be miserable because we haven't connected with what really is going on here. Yeah. I, to go back to talking about the mass right, and the consecration, I think that we have to... Um, one of the ways that you, as Catholics, we, by analogy, live out and realize that and know that it's real, that's what's happening in the Mass, is, again, by realizing and helping our children to live out that when they 
make themselves sit down and do their homework and do something that they maybe don't want to do, but they make themselves do it, they're not just doing their homework. What they're doing is they're all they're in a sense already dying to themselves for their spouse. Right. And loving their spouse, even though they're not in time, they're not temporally doing that yet, but in a supernatural way, they're already doing that because they're habituating themselves to that right. way of love. Right. right? And, and I, it, when, when they are playing sports and they come up and they stick their nose in there and they make that tackle, even though it was they maybe were scared to or they didn't want to, maybe they got injured, they're not just making that tackle. They're, again, they're, they're sacrificing for their children. They're doing what they need to do to parent and take care of and love their children, even though in temporal terms and time, they're not there yet, but they're, they're training their soul and their will to do what needs to be done right. to love. Absolutely. And I, and I think, and the reason you do that, well, not the reason you do that. You can use athletics or anything else. It could be dance. It could be anything that they have to work hard on. <coughs> Learning the piano. It could be, it could be anything. Recognize that what gets you through the hard times, you have to continually, I think, you know, one of my favorite lines, my, my kids finally bought it for me, or Stephanie and the kids bought it for me, you know, you know, the, the this has been something central to my life. It's, it's right when I wake up in the morning, it's literally on the wall in front of me. It says, um, action without vision, I mean, vision without action is merely a dream. Action without vision is a nightmare. Mm. And we have to connect vision and action. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that the idea, what gets you through the struggle, what gets you through the pain of a workout or the pain of having to do something that you don't, the homework, is connecting it with something beyond itself. I, I'm doing it, I'm not just, it, it, it by itself, in a vacuum, separated from an understanding of what I do now is something that adds towards what I'm trying to achieve, if if we separate them out, then life becomes a it's nightmare. It's just banal. It's, it's just a, banality. It's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a nightmare. Mm-hmm. It becomes something you resent. It's something you hate. Mm-hmm. I'm telling you, there are people right now in this world... That's why people are killing themselves. They're killing themselves and they're walking because they cannot see the connection between what they're doing. So that on a on a on just a natural level... Mm-hmm. Exactly. We ha- on a natural level, we need to teach people that 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 race that's won or that game. You know, like you hear Dabo Sweeney. You know, this is this is last night's the championship. You hear Dabo Sweeney always talking about we're here today because of all the work we put in before. Exactly. You know, all those hard days and getting up and doing what I didn't want to do. So even on a natural level, you know, you, most people would say that you know that that. The person that wins the gold medal in the 100 meters didn't win it in the 10 seconds that it took to run it. They won it in the 10 years that they trained to be able to run it like that. 
So even on a natural level, you have to have some, vi- I'm training for this. This is what I'm made for. And therefore, the reason I'm doing this is because it's part of that. At that point, the struggle becomes part of the journey. It becomes part of the realization that you can point back to and say, that's why I did that. And can I just jump in real quick? And likewise, most of marriage, there's very few moments in marriage that are quote unquote under the lights. Right. Very few. Most of it is practice days, um, training. It's, 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 it's kind of, you know, analogous to that part of athletics. It's just Absolutely. hard work, ordinary, repetitive. Well, so so I, I, I think back to, you know, Stephanie and I, back when we didn't have as many kids, we would come to St. Mary's and we'd give talks. And, and we were frequently asked to give communication talks. And we would talk about the, the arguments we had early on in our marriage. And when we were recounting these, while they were funny to tell, like – the argument that occurred because I didn't realize that the shower curtain needed to be closed after I took a shower, that, 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 that argument Hey-o. or, or the argument that, you know, the green tags that you take off of shirts that have come from the cleaners belong in the trash can, not above the trash can on the counter, you know, right. stuff like that. Major stuff, major stuff that led to major fights, but, but the, needing to actually to, to communicate Right, about right. it. I remember stopping after recounting these and saying, you know, these kids love this, but if you look at it, it's kind of stupid. I mean, we're, we're arguing about this. And this is pre-triplets, um, pre-anything any, that had happened difficult. And I said, hey, as a former coach, I can see these are little things that God is putting in our place to where we have to deal with each other on these small issues that really don't matter to practice for the big issues when they do matter. Right, and the right, reality right. is those big issues happen in short windows of time relative to our lives. Guess Hence, the, the three years of Christ, 33 years, short windows of time when the spotlight may be on us mm-hmm. have been, the, the, the results of those have been determined by the, many yeses that have occurred in those very ordinary moments. We have to teach our kids, and we can use sports or whatever to say, you know, this 20 minutes of time that you're spending practicing the piano or the violin or whatever, you're going to look back on it as you stack these together when you go to a recital and people are, great job, and coming up and saying you're so gifted. You're going to recognize it's that. You know, there, Matthew Keller always talks about the, the great violinist, I don't know who's, who it was. Um, very famous, so famous I don't remember the name. But <laughs> but, but he talks moment, about right? the, you know this the the person is has just finished and a person apparently goes up to the and he said I would have given my life to play the violin like you play the violin and the and the person's response was I have given my life mm. and. So there's a connection. The greatness that we're called to may be in a moment, in a 10-second race, in a, mm-hmm. in a year of struggle. Mm-hmm. But all the stuff that was very ordinary that nobody saw was leading to that. Yeah. And so Christ, in his de- he was practicing himself in his humanity, the dying to himself, that he would ultimately live out and give as, as an example 
of his perfection on the cross. Yeah. And that reminds me of a one of my father's favorite quotes growing up to me, um, which I believe was from a Greek philosopher, but I don't know either a philosopher or a um, poet or a playwright. It was um, true courage is doing that which you would do in front of thousands when there is no one around or when, when you are alone. Right. So do, so the, the hidden, the, the unseen, it goes back, you know, going back to that, that idea of even when there's no one to praise you or to make you, uh, to call you out when you don't do the right thing, so you do the wrong, the, so you, to call you out so, to doing the wrong thing, so you do the right thing, you, you do the right thing anyway. When there's no reward or no honor to be gained from doing the right thing, you do the right thing anyway. Yeah, that think, is, that's so much a part of what we're talking about here. And it is, and we have to recognize... And we all have to work on it constantly. And I mean, the, it we takes do constant have to work attention. It. And the church has and will always say that, look, when in doubt, do, you know, if your boss says to do this, then do it. If, you're, if, if, if your vocation says, I need to wash the dishes for my wife or whatever it is, if, if, if whatever's in front of us, that's the moment. And I think this is, this is one of my favorite verses, but as you were speaking, it was reminding me of, of this. This is from First Peter. It says, humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that in due time he may exalt you. I think that's ultimate. So the, the idea that God's going to do it, if you go down further, he said, and after you've suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, establish, and strengthen you. I think it's all pointing to how do we humble ourselves under God's hand? Well, <laughs> if we're a husband, we act like a husband and what a husband is supposed to be doing. If we're a dad, we act like a dad in the moment the way a dad is supposed to act. If we're a wife or a, or a mother, we act like a mother. We're humbling ourselves and saying, okay, this is what you want. You know, I think we talked about about say when kids are acting up in church in church and after you've tried part of it is the the humility to walk a child out when it's past the point of no return there's humility in that but you're acting like a parent in that moment you're 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 doing what you're called to do in the ordinary i think that's what humbling yourself is and then let god exalt you. Let God be the one that points you out. Not let, let He's going to give you the moment, but most of life is humbling yourself and saying, this is what I'm called to do. Yeah. So I, I, I guess, you know, one of our big takeaways for today is live, live like what you are doing, like the ordinary things that you're doing, your ordinary responsibilities, your ordinary job is of extraordinary significance. It's actually of supernatural uh, weight. And it and is. And if you do that, 
we're proposing that the mass will come alive for you in a new way because you, since you are living out that reality of the ordinary is actually also this, the ex, extraordinary, you will see in that ordinary breaking of bread and offering of wine the extraordinary that is going on and how what we're doing today is in reality connected to it has it has connections across time and space absolutely just as in the most perfect way the mass is that one sacrifice on the cross yep. that is being represented yep. in the today when you're when you're in under the, sign, the mass under the ordinary in a bloodless way in the ordinary sacramental way in a as a sign and we are given signs all the time i i was as you were saying this i love this this is a verse that's come up quite a bit recently in my own prayer but but it's one that i remember somebody pointing out years ago which is colossians 317 it says and, and so, so saint paul says and whatever you do in word or deed do everything in the name of the lord jesus giving thanks to god the father through him which is a which is almost by definition what the mass is mm-hmm. <laughs> um that we are offering everything that we do in word or deed to god the father giving thanks thanksgiving which is Eucharist in Greek. If you, that, that's what the translation is, thanksgiving to God the Father through Jesus, that, through him, with him, and in him. we got to make those connections, guys. We have to make those connections ourselves and then see in every moment the opportunity to just fulfill the next thing in front of me is extraordinary, even though it may look very ordinary. Man, if you live life like that, it's not boring. It's never boring. It's exciting, in fact. It may not always be fun, but guess what? We're not, you know, the cross wasn't fun either. But we give ourselves to the moment and to our vocation, and we humble ourselves in due time, God will exalt us. So I think maybe let, let's let's do Colossians 317, uh, you know, to in whatever you do. It's probably a good memory verse for the kids. We talked about that. Not a bad memory verse for for us to remember. Say say it again. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. That's Colossians chapter 3, verse 17. And so, anyway, hopefully that was helpful. I mean, it gets me fired up to think. I think it's a good way to start the year with a, with a new perspective and a new set of eyes asking God to do it. So pray parent with a purpose and prepare for God to amaze you and he will if you just open your eyes 